Welcome to Wheel to Wheel F1. I'm Noah Hicks, joined by Tanner Hicks and Lance Ellington, and this is the French Grand Prix race preview. That's right, guys. We're at Paul Ricard this weekend. Just like normal for our race previews, we'll be going through storylines going into the week. Then we're going to jump into some interesting facts and some two truths and a lie led by Tanner. After two truths and a lie, we're going to get the weather forecast from Tanner Heatwave Hicks. After that, we're going to jump over to our qualifying surprises, whether that's a Q1 exit, Q3 entrance, whatever. We'll see how it goes. After that, finally, we'll jump into, or not finally, sorry about that. We're going to jump over to our betting odds from Lance Big Bookie Ellington. And finally, we'll go into our podium predictions. A lot of segments. We love our race previews. That's that's what we enjoy about these podcasts. But before we jump into storylines, Lance, how you doing? I'm doing good. I'm feeling good. It's the start of the week. Feeling positive. I woke up on Saturday. I woke up on Sunday. I was a little sad. Not going to lie. I missed Formula One. I had a good weekend. Got some stuff done. As everyone knows, I'm planning a wedding. So working on all that jazz with said fiance. But I did miss Formula One, so excited to be back on the podcast, previewing a race. Tanner, how are you doing? We know you had COVID. Are you feeling better? Yes, sir, I am. I am a post-COVID boy. I I am feeling better. I'm feeling strong, and I'm happy to be back in the land of living. Um, it was a good weekend. It was a good weekend. I missed my F1, but I will say I did have a good time with another international sport with the British Open of golf, got to see the mullet Cam Smith take home a victory. So that was always fun, whether or not I was rooting for him. We don't have to bring that up, but it was a fun weekend. So uh, yeah, happy to be back. Missed Formula One. So I'm happy to be back for this Grand Prix. Noah, how are you doing? I'm doing well, but I mean, how could you not root for Cam Smith? He seems like he's got such a personality, got to, got the game going with it too. I mean, he's, he's Australian, right? Yeah, he's Australian, but Rory, though, I mean, he hasn't won a major since 2014. He's such a great person. He's a champion of the PGA Tour right now in, in the face of, of live golf, which is just an atrocity on the sport. And he can't help but not root for the guy. Like, I, I would have liked to see Rory win that, but that's okay. Fair enough. But uh, yeah, uh, obviously I've talked to Tanner outside of this podcast, but glad to hear you're doing better. Uh, you know, he's, he's feeling so good. He's feeling so saucy. He's wearing a V-neck, rocking a chilled glass with his beer right now. Really thriving. You know, it, it, we all large. aspire to, to, to reach that. <laughs> um, <but> yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing well. Had a, had a pretty lazy weekend. Got a little work done. Got a little errands running all all that jazz um so a little busy a little not you know how it goes um but yeah yeah doing good let's let's jump into our french grand prix so we're we're halfway through the season we have 11 races down and 11 races to go i think that's wild how quickly time is moving right now and I just can't believe we're 11 races in. And I feel like I still have a lot of questions about these cars and these drivers and, and what I expect for this coming weekend. I still don't know what car's going to be reliable or not, whether that's Ferrari and Alpine, you know, a, a Red Bull. I 
don't know what's going to happen with Danny Rick on any given weekend. I don't know where Sergio Perez is going to fall. So I don't know. A lot of surprises, even with 11 races of knowledge. Where are you at Tanner? Yeah, I'm kind of with you. There's so much that's unknown, which is great. Like we're in the first year of a new era of regulations. And what that really means is that that, that gives plenty of time for this era to, to, to marinate with all of these teams. And maybe we'll see some mix-ups throughout the next coming years. And so I'm happy we don't know everything right now. It makes this job hard. It makes your job as big Bookie Ellington hard. Um, but it, it's fun. It makes Formula One more fun when it's unpredictable. And that's really what we want in, in any sport, in any form of entertainment. We want something unpredictable, which can excite us. And I think Formula One has done that to such a huge extent in the last few races, like Silverstone, one for the ages, fantastic race. Last race at the Red Bull ring was, was awesome. There were so many cool overtakes, so many cool racing incidents. Um, and I, I just hope we can continue some of that at Paul Ricard this weekend. So, um, you know, as far as all the teams go, God, who knows, but, um, but racing is at a very, very exciting point right now in the very middle of the season. Yeah, very true. Paul Ricard, this French Grand Prix, traditionally more of a testing track. So going to be interesting. I think it's got some history for overtaking. So hopefully we see that this weekend kind of, I, th- I think I want to say fast corners too. So should be fun. Should be a uh, pr- pretty representative of a uh, true pace, all that jazz um, pending, you know, reliability concerns, but Always. yeah, I mean, one, one name you didn't mention there, Lance, when you're naming reliability things. And I think it's because they're in the midfield, like kind of lower midfield is Alfa Romeo. I feel like they have been retiring cars more than any other team. And it's just not something that we always talk about since they're not, you know, usually in the points, but just, just one thing that I wanted to call out with them is, you know, they're driving that Ferrari engine, the a semi unreliable as seen with Haas and Ferrari. Uh, but, but especially with them, it seems like they're battling issues at least in one of their cars every weekend. Yeah, and I, I think weekend is the the key term in there because uh, one of the biggest reasons we don't mention them all the time, it yes, they, they do have to retire from quite a few races and potential qualifying sessions, but we see them have issues in so many free practice sessions where the drivers just really aren't given the opportunity to practice on an, on as many um, on as many laps as the other drivers. I mean, I, we heard Fred Vasseur, the team principal of Alfa Romeo, say he hopes that Teo Porsche, a junior Ferrari driver, will get a chance to drive a Alfa Romeo car in a free practice session this season. They need to make sure that car can stay on the track for those free practice sessions uh, to, to actually give him that chance. So all that to say, yes, Alfa Romeo absolutely belong in the discussion of the reliability concerns. Yeah, 100% do. And maybe I forget about them because for whatever reason, when I think of Alfa Romeo, I think of like Botas and Joe in such silos because they're at such different points of their career. Sometimes I forget they're kind of a team sitting there in Alfa Romeo. But one other team that's building some momentum that I want to talk about is Haas. Mick Schumacher, Kevin Magnussen, Gunther Steiner hitting their stride middle of the season, about to have a couple of back-to-back races before heading into summer break. 
no, what do you what are you expecting from the team? Can they carry over the success? I think Paul Ricard is a similar track to Silverstone in the sense it has some fast corners. At the same time, it has a pretty smooth track surface, so not going to have as many up and downs as Austria. Maybe they can find success again. What are you expecting for Haas this weekend? I, I'm going to come out and say it. Earlier this year, you know, after first two races, maybe first race, something like that, we, we made a claim, I think it was one of our overreactions in a, in a race reaction that was around, it would be a disappointment for Haas to not score points. All right. I'm not going to come out here and say it'll be a disappointment if they don't score points. I won't say that. I will not. I refuse to because I think that that could send them backwards again. Listen, we, we at the F1 Wheel to Wheel podcast love Haas, and we think we hold a lot of juju. And I, I, want, I don't want to use that juju to jinx Haas. So I don't expect them to score points. I think there's a chance they score points, but I don't expect them to. And I'm hoping this works. <laughs> That's yeah, it. If it does, <laughs> I'll be happy. That's fair. That's fair. And I'll, I'll go as far to say um, as I still f- consider it a surprise and obviously a treat anytime we get a Haas car in the points. Um, they've proven so, so much in the last two races, and I hope it can continue. Uh, but that said, I was shocked both times it happened just by the nature of their car and the nature of their history and those drivers so far. And um, and I, I'll continue to be surprised if they certainly if they get a double points finish and and, and still if either car can finish in the points, um, not to not to knock their drivers, but. I'm still wary of Haas as a team when we're comparing them against the likes of Alpine McLaren, who's just a giant in the sport. And even a driver we mentioned earlier, the guy who is more or less the patron of this podcast, Valtteri Botas is also competing for those point spots too. Um, and, and so with all that said, I'm still going to be surprised and absolutely consider it a treat every time I see Haas uh, manage to squeak in to even a 10th place finish. Agreed. At the very least, I'm, I'm hoping they're still competitive there in the midfield. They're battling, and that's what I expect. I expect to see some strong defense, some good overtakes. I don't expect you know, an Aston Martin performance where they fall off and you almost forget about the cars for most of the race. I expect Haas to be up there battling, if not in the points. As we're on the highs right now, because we do got to talk about some teams struggling. At some point, we got we to gotta be real. But another team that is on a momentum right now, they're on the upwards trend, is your team, Tanner, Alpine. Coming into their home race, they're now tied with McLaren at 81 points. And as the resident Lando fan, Danny Rick fan, McLaren fan overall, I'm nervous. I'm a little shaky even thinking about it. The idea of Alpine passing us in the standings does not sit well with me right now. But I got to say, I feel like it's more likely than not that you guys do that this weekend at the home race. I think there's good odds for Alpine to have a better weekend than McLaren. And I'm nervous about it. I trust Lando to stick his car in the points. Danny Rick, I don't know what I'm getting on a week-to-week basis. Esteban Ocon, Mr. Consistency, he's going to be up there and strong. If Alonzo can have a reliable car, you know, he's going to be high in the points. So I'm nervous, Tanner. 
Yeah, no, and I, I think like it, all, you know, all, all showmanship aside, I think you have a fair reason to be. I think Alpine have momentum and it's just momentum, momentum, momentum. They keep pushing forward. Um, and a guy who's been considered a pretty middling driver in terms of driver rankings in, in Formula One and Esteban Ocon has been able to put in some really, really strong results in that car. Um, so I think you have fair reason to be worried. Uh, and quite frankly, McLaren aren't moving in the right direction. We see Haas moving up and, and McLaren kind of level with them in terms of pace, which is certainly nothing I would have expected to say, uh, expected to say, I don't know, at the beginning of the season, uh, five races in, I mean, you name it. Um, it, it's, it's surprising to me. I don't expect it to stick that way, uh, but it's certainly coming into a race where, like you said, Noah, with some high-speed corners, which McLaren are mixed in, um, they, they can do well at certain tracks, but not every track. Um, and it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I, I'm cautiously optimistic about Alpine, um, but it's it's still a midfield battle. Um, and I, I think it that midfield battle remains that goes no further than the top uh, than the fourth spot in terms of constructors. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. I, you know, I don't, I don't think they can do better than fourth, obviously, Uh, but they're fighting, they're fighting. Um, They've got a lot of pace, especially at their home grand prix. I think, I think for the first time this season, uh, because I don't know that we've really talked about it. So maybe just for the first time this season for us, we're going to go in with some real expectations. I expect an Alpine driver to do, you know, seventh or better. Um, I think anything worse than seventh, given, you know, four teams, whatever, they're in fourth uh, or tied for fourth. I think anything worse than seventh is probably a disappointment of a weekend. Maybe they do eighth and ninth but say Lando gets seventh and that kind of defeats their performance. Right. Um, so I, you know, I think this is one of the first times we can say that for them. I think it's a really exciting time. It's maybe it's a little more stressful for you now, Tanner, a little, a little, a little more stakes associated with, uh, with, with Alpine. So it's a fun time. I think they've got a lot of pace, especially with that straight line speed. Um, a lot of conversations around Fernando Alonso and his luck this year, but it'll be interesting. It will, it will. Also a lot of conversation on Fernando Alonso and his seat and what's what's going on there and what's going to take place for him and not just him, but what's going to take place for Sebastian Vettel and a few others that we have on the grid on what's going to happen with Latifi, where's Piastri going to end up going, maybe Williams. So a lot of questions there. But with these storylines, we do need to talk about the battle for the championship. That is why we race. We say that is why Formula One is here, because we do got to crown a winner. Charles Leclerc has closed the gap to Max Verstappen by only 11 points over the last two races. To 38, Max has gone, I think it was like seventh in Silverstone. And then Max got second, missing out to Leclerc, getting back his win in Austria. Is Ferrari going to gain some momentum here? Can they keep Max from winning races for three straight races? Can they hold him off? And McLaren signs, you know, one of them get it from him. 
is that a possibility now what are, what are you thinking for ferrari are we, are we still in this fight for the championship i i don't want to get ahead of myself all right how are we you? heard we're, <laughs> we heard mattia Bonotto this week say any pace difference that we have between us and Red Bull at this point is negligible. So that's basically saying all bets are off. We're equal in pace. We should be performing equally to them with, you know, not, not considering car reliability concerns. I am, I, uh, I'm reserving optimism. I, I'm generally a bit of a pessimist, or I, I call it realism, but I'm generally a bit of a pessimist. It's a, it's a, I want to wait before I get excited about things, right? Um, I'd be nervous if I was you. I'd be I nervous. nervous. With that, with that <laughs> statement, what I'm sitting here, what I hear when you say that, right? And you tell me, Batio Bonato, he said they have similar pace. I'm like, okay, it's coming down then. Can we get the strategy right? Can we have solid pit stops? And who has the better driver? And when I go through that list, which one matters the most out of all of that? I think the driver is pretty important. I really do. I'm going to put it pretty high. The pit stops, crews aren't going to mess it up that much, hopefully, unless there's really an issue. Difference of 1 to 1.5 there. A driver can possibly make that up, even if they are the same pace. So if the strategy can be right, which we've seen Red Bull be better at this year than Ferrari, then it's, you know, I'm looking at Max Verstappen versus Leclerc and I think you know who I'm betting on there, Noah. I think I do. I think I do. And it's like one, one thing with Leclerc is, you know, I'm encouraged by, by everything he does. I think he's a fantastic driver. I think he does very little wrong in that car. Same as any championship winner. Um, but one thing that I was just thinking of when you were talking about comparing drivers, right? I think he's got the gene in him that Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen both have, uh, where, where they start getting paranoid and complaining and I'll, I'll say it, bitching about their car performance, even when they're winning. And I, I think that's an important trait. I, I, I think that paranoia factor, you don't get it in every race winner. Some race winners who are winning, they're just like, oh my God, this is insane. They're, they're on their radio. This is going wrong, guys. Like, I expect more. It, I, I, I think he pushes the limit. You know, he's a great driver. He's got that little, that little <laughs> paranoia gene that I think is important. And so, yeah, I think quality of the drivers is going to be play a really huge factor. Um, I don't trust the Ferrari strategy, man. I don't trust it. I, I can't trust it. That's just how I feel. Yeah. So coming into this race, I'll say, I'll say this, as far as the championship race goes, if I were a Ferrari fan, I wouldn't be nervous. Here's why you have nothing to lose right now. You're in second place. You're going up against the presumptive best driver on the grid and Max Verstappen. Let's say your pace between the Ferrari and the Red Bull is negligible. The pace difference is negligible. You have nothing to lose. 
there there's only room for optimism and so with that um i i wouldn't be nervous i, I would just be excited i mean i i don't think i'm losing to mercedes at this point and it let's turn it into a freaking dog fight for the rest of the way um uh, we've seen nothing but respectful driving between verstappen and leclerc and for that matter ferrari and red bull this season it's time to get dirty it's time to get into the weeds it's time it's time to get messy with it ferrari you have nothing to lose you have a rich history you have you have championship beyond championship beyond champion driver and and at this point let's just go for broke right like you're not you're not money limited like you have a spend gap this season fine but like let's go for broke let's let's throw it let's go throw caution into the wind let's fucking go for it like i i i i think charles leclerc has the driving capability to pull off some real things i still think carlos Sainz is a very strong driver and can it should be able to match sergio perez and and i think if they have the willingness if they have the desire to make it happen i think that team can do it i think it's in the cards i think we might see it this weekend with with Ferrari pulling out something good, but they really have to go for it. They can't play things safe anymore. So I, I like it. I love what you're saying. I'm going to take a turn here and we're going to, we're going to push the boundaries of this podcast and see what I can get away with. Oh, uh, so maybe this will get cut. Maybe it won't, but <laughs> I like what you're saying as far as uh, throw it all out, right? Make it a dog fight. And I think we're at the inflection point of this season. I really do. I know we still have 11 races left, and that is a lot of time. But these next two races, this momentum going into summer break are going to be huge. And that starts with this weekend. And if Ferrari doesn't have a spectacular finish, not even spectacular, they don't have both cars in the top four, both cars in the top five, with at least one of them in the top two, it's not looking great moving forward. Because to play devil's advocate, Mercedes is bringing upgrades either this race or to Hungary, which I think is the next one, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when taking a look at that, they've been gaining ground over the last few races on Ferrari. And I know they're way ahead now in the constructors, right? They're what, 65, 66 points ahead right now in the constructors. That is very doable for Mercedes to make up in a matter of 11 races if they're able to to get these upgrades to catch and join the pace of Red Bull and Ferrari. So I love the dogfight mentality, but I would not, I, I think there's an opportunity cost here or there's a chance where Ferrari really, really could make some mistakes by pushing too hard or, or trying something too unique with their strategy to catch Red Bull that it messes up and Mercedes gains some grounds over these next two races, I'll say, to where you're going in and you're going, wow, they're, they're down 65 now. Maybe they're only down, I don't know, 40 points by the time we get the summer break. And that would be a really scary look, in my opinion, with yeah. momentum going in opposite direction for the teams. I think that's a real possibility. I like where Lewis is at. I really like where Russell is at. I think Russell's due for something great this weekend or the next. That's where I'm at. I'm sorry to say that to you, Noah, as our Ferrari fan. I think it's either that they're either going to be joining Red Bull even tighter or they're falling back. See, here's Don't my thing fun. with it too, though. Like if Ferrari falls back, like at that point, let's just say, I don't care about the fight with Red 
people anymore. Let's just go for second. And that's not hard for them to attain unless Mercedes's upgrades are just absolutely out of this world, which I, I frankly, I, I don't see coming this year. I mean, maybe next year, but at this point I've, I'm not going to say I've lost faith in Mercedes in this 2022 formula one season, but hey, like, man, but like episode 32, faith. check it out. Episode 32, check it out. <laughs> We we had a we you had a hot and tasty title. Let's do a mid roll. I think we've hit all the storylines. It's time to get into our segments for the race, but we don't do ads. But we're gonna advertise our own episode. During this bye week last week, we dropped the biggest surprises of the first eleven races of this season, called Mercedes' best days are behind them. Yes, it's a bit clickbaity, but it's a lot of fun conversation. It's about more than just Mercedes. We talk reliability. We talk Haas. We talk Alfa Romeo. We talk Danny Rick, Pierre Gas. We talk so many different things. So check that out as a bonus episode if you haven't heard it yet. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Are you boys ready for some two truths and a lie? So You're ready. ready to write the ship? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's get it. Okay, boys. Well, on this 12th rendition of Two Truths and a Lie, for the French Grand Prix, it would only be fitting to pick a theme of French. We are going, we are going a different red, white, and blue for this week. We're, we're going to see how you guys do, and let's roll into it. Okay, starting off, here's the first one. Sen- since the French Grand Prix was moved Back to Paul Ricard in 2018, the best French driver finish was Roman Grosjean in 2018. Number two, there are only two French drivers to ever win the French Grand Prix at Paul Ricard. And number three, Renault, or Alpine now, is the only French team to ever win the French Grand Prix here at Paul Ricard. Oh, God. So there are a few things to unpack here. Yeah, there are a lot. There are a few. Um, You know, I'm not really up to date on my my French F1 history. I'm going to be quite honest. All right, so so let's jump into the recent stuff first. All right? Mm -hmm. I, I think that's a good place to start unless you have other thoughts, Lance. No, 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 no. You take us away. All right. All right. So first one. Roman Grosjean highest score since 2018, because that's when they moved back to, to Paul Ricard. They hadn't raced there for, you know, 20 years, whatever, however many it was. So Roman Grosjean, French driver. Let's think about French drivers since 2018. All right. Okay. Esteban Ocon. Yep. Pierre Gasly. Pierre, Pierre Gasly, who had a great 2021. If I P7? remind you, P7. Yeah, P7 in this race. Yeah. P7. Yeah. I'm up to, Hey, for, for all our listeners, for, for our two truths and a lie, I do very little research. I have my F1 knowledge from Reddit, Drive to Survive, couple, couple documentaries, et cetera. What I do do is I look up the 2021 race <laughs> and that's it. So Pierre Gasly, P7. <laughs> um, other French drivers. There Got was, anyone? 
there was two to three others during Alcon during the 2010s. I know I can't yeah. pronounce their names. Uh, it's bad. One, your best. Uh, no, I, I can't even remember how to spell them, but I was looking at this cause I was looking at French drivers that came up on my Twitter feed and they were, it was a whole debate about who was the best French driver of the 2010s. And people were really upset. Pierre Gasly won that poll. Anyway, I, I believe it. I think two French drivers have won it. That seems pretty reasonable. France doesn't produce the most F1 drivers. Uh, it seems like a reasonable fact that two have won it. That doesn't seem crazy to me. Who Renault, are good French drivers, though? There's one way. absolutely huge one. Who? I'm not Alain, good. Alain Prost. Ah, he is French. Alain Prost is quite important in Formula One. McLaren driver. Yeah, McLaren. (laughs) I've got that (laughs) in my bag. So he's he's one here. Tanner just gave us a gimme. Yeah. Or he's won the French Grand Prix. Um don't know who would the other be because it hasn't been one of the more recent ones, I don't believe. And what then was the third one, the third one is that Renault Alpine now. So we're just talking about the Renault team is the only French team to ever win the grand French Grand Prix at Paul Ricard. No way. All right. I'm locking it in now. Pierre Gasly better finish than Romain Grosjean since 2018. That's the lie. Um, oh, with a quick lock. I, that was a very quick fire. I don't have enough to talk about for the other ones. I don't. I don't have enough knowledge in my bag. Um, yeah, this, like I'm missing stuff. <laughs> on this podcast, we're an honest podcast. I'm with Noah. I don't have enough in my bag to go through these points in great detail. I'm sure Tanner is going to have some wonderful information for both us and the listeners like us. I'm doubling down. I'm not going to hedge this week. I'm with Noah. I think Pierre Gasly, P7, is the best a French driver has done at Paul. If not better. He raced for Red Bull, for God's sake. It might have. Yeah, that's true. But I think it's the P7. I'm going with that. I'm going to even bonus points I'm going for. What do you got, Tanner? I like our odds. All right, boys. On this 12th rendition of Two Truths and a Lie, you guys both went with your gut. You went quick fire. You were honest. And your guts were correct. Congratulations. You Let's both go. taken two truths and a lie. Let's for this get week. it. Noah, you, you're climbing back slowly but surely up to five and seven. Lance, you're distancing yourself ahead of the pack up to seven and five. 500, oh. you're leaving in the dust. And, uh, and I'm congratulating you both. Um, we didn't get in our heads. Good job. Yeah, you didn't overthink this at all. This was well, this was a breeze in, in terms of uh, brain strength for you guys. So congratulations. So yes, that lie was the first one. When I said since the French Grand Prix was moved back to Paul Ricard in 2018, the best French finisher was Romain Grosjean in 2018. That was a lie. He finished P11. Uh, and like Noah and Lance both said, Pierre Gasly f- finished P7 here in 2021 uh so there was not (laughs) they were not close uh but that's what i decided to make into the lie for this week 
the next two were both true. There are only two French drivers to ever win the French Grand Prix here at Paul Ricard. One of those is Alain Prost. He did that four times at Paul Ricard. He won the French Grand Prix a total of six times. Uh, and the other driver was Rene Arnoux in, I believe, 1982, if I'm not mistaken. Let me fact check myself. 1982 is correct in that Renault car. Alain Prost also won in the Renault car the year after. So we both we, we had some Renault success here. Um, so, you know, kudos to my guys. Um, but yeah, Rene Arnoux, not a not a hugely well-known driver but had a very nice showing here in 1982 um but no french drivers ever other, eh, ever got the scratch here to get the win um kind of kind of interesting and then lastly renault being the only french team to ever win here uh at paul ricard for the french grand prix that is also true nah, not really any other french teams uh sniffed it to be quite honest um, there haven't been a ton of very successful um, French teams, and so it wasn't wasn't too much of a of a I guess fight with it all. There was a team called Ligier uh, that that got the pole here in nineteen eighty through Jacques Lafitte. Uh, but he was unable to get the win. Mario Andretti, our guy trying to get into Formula One, taking home the win here. So kudos to both of you guys. You got me this week. Um, but I'll, I'll come back at you next week for Hungary. Yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, and I, I think the only other French team that popped in my head, and I don't even know that they're French for sure, it was Minardi. I, I, I think they're French. Um, and they were kind of brief showing in the mid to late 2000s, um, but didn't really feel like they were relevant enough to uh, warrant the discussion. Mm -hmm. um, there was another French team off the top of my head, the French, the team that Esteban Ocon opened his Formula One career in, Manor Racing. They were very, 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 very bad. Um, and we're no. <laughs> And we're definitely not getting a win here at the French Grand Prix. Interesting. All right, Lance, we're on a roll. Look at I us. I like it. I get two in a row. I feel more educated as well. So kind of a win-win. I got it right and learned about the other two that were already true. So I feel good. Everything we could possibly hope for in a, in a <laughs> two truths and a lie. But with exactly. that, I think it's time we turn it over to Tanner Heatwave Hicks to give us the weather forecast for this weekend. Well, Heatwave is apt. I, I've talked pretty much every race preview for the last while about a potential for rain, whether that be in a free practice, a qualifying session, or in the actual race itself. That's not happening this week. It's going to be pretty hot. Uh, Paul Ricard is right outside of Marseille. And it's going to be hot there and it's going to be dry too. We're, we're, so we're going to have a clean race. We can't rely on any, any wet racing to, to make for any crazy results that way. Um, but it, it'll be interesting. And then the heat probably will, at least to an extent, affect that tire strategy. We saw last year Red Bull took a two-stop two strategy and absolutely just smoked Mercedes with it. Valtteri Botas was incensed with the decision to go for a one-stopper and there's a good good chance we see that happen again with 
with the teams able to kind of decide whatever they want to do in terms of tire strategy, maybe they'll be able to do a medium hard run and eke it out into a one stopper. But I would expect again, like last year, that two stopper to be our, our premium strategy. I'm tired of Pirelli saying less stops is, is the best strategy because they're always wrong about it nowadays. It's time to stop listening to Pirelli because they don't know what they're talking about with their product. Oh, interesting. It's, it's not often. And for all our listeners, if you have listened to our race previews, you'll know. If you haven't, you should. Um, but if you have, you'll know that my nicknames for, for Tanner every episode or every preview uh, are weather related and they're always different, but they're almost never related to the actual weather. You know, sometimes I hope they are. Sometimes I use stuff like tornadoes and hurricanes, so I know that's going to be off. But it's very rare that I get a heat wave that's actually accurate. So, so I'll take this one. That, that's, that's pretty interesting, though. Should, should be interesting. Makes me a little worried as a Ferrari fan that strategy may pay a, play a large role in this race. <laughs> I, I always like when, when we in these two-stop races, because it's more opportunity for mistakes, more testing on the pit team, more testing on the strategy, when to do it, where the undercut's going to be. So I like it. Maybe adds a bit more chaos than some one-stop races will. Yeah, it's just more thinking. It's just more thinking at the end of the day. I mean, we've seen so many races where they've just pitted a ton and it's been the right decision. I mean, whether there's a safety car or not, a lot of times the three-stopper or the four-stopper has shown up this season, um, which is you know, way off of Pirelli's predictions. I'm going to continue to rag on them because they've been pissing me off a little bit, but, um, <laughs> uh, but no, I I'll definitely say more stops tends to be the better with these tire compounds this season. So it's been interesting. I think it'll be interesting again this weekend. Well, I think it's time. Let's do some quality stuff. I want to go ahead and touch on that now before we get into anything else. And I don't mind kicking us off. I'm not going to do a Q1 exit. Do that. We're not being negative. I'm going to be positive. And I am positive. My man, not my man, but for this segment, he is my man, the gas man, Pierre Gasly, the Frenchman, getting in a Q3 entrance. We just talked about him performing here last year, getting that P7 finish, the best finish by a French driver since 2018 here. I, I think he's going to do it. They've Alvatar. We haven't talked about them much this podcast because there isn't much to talk about right now. They're not trending in the right direction, but maybe with the weekend off, they get it together and Gasly performs at home. It's a big weekend for him. It's a big weekend for him. And I, I hope he does perform. Unfortunately, I don't think he will. Um, it's not that I have him as a surprise exit. It's not that I have him as, as anything really. It's it's just that I, I don't know if I believe in Alpha Tauri. They they've been trending downwards, and it's like every time I try and have faith in them, they just keep going further down. Um, you know, they seem like they're friends, Pierre and Yuki, so I'll take it. But uh, but yeah, I I I hope he makes P three. I think Pierre's got the quality too. Q three Q three. That's what I meant. Uh, <laughs> we'll yeah. see we'll see 
Yeah, it's an interesting one. And as somebody who has been very, very good and very rewarded in his hate and his distrust of Alpha Tauri, I also have Pierre Gasly as a surprise Q3 entrance this, no, this weekend. No, you don't. I sure do. You crazy kid. I sure do. And, it, and it's for two reasons. It's for what I mentioned earlier. Pierre Gasly had a strong showing here last year. And, you know, part of that was a, it was a stronger Alpha Towery car compared to this year. Um, and, and part of that was because he's pretty solid at this track. This isn't some a, a track that he does poorly at. And with that, the second reason I'm picking him here is because very, very, very few teams are targeting this race as a upgrade destination. A lot of teams are just kind of putting it off until the summer to, to make some of that happen. As Alpha Tauri are not happy. <laughs> they have been very bad. They need to improve. They, they, they feel like they should be in the midfield race and they've taken themselves out of it. So they are bringing upgrades here. I don't know the extent of all of them, but with that, I can see, I can see Pierre Gasly putting on a show, whether that's in the qualifying or the race, we'll see, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him put in some solid results this week and maybe make it into Q3. So that's, that's what I have to Lance. Um, not something I'm saying a lot on this podcast. And so that, that, that'll show you what I actually believe right now. Hey, great, great minds thinking like we're rooting for you, Gasly. Now, what do you got for us around qualities? I do not have Pierre Gasly making it into Q3, uh, as I'm sure, sure you figured. Uh, but what I have, and I want to preface this as saying maybe it's not a Q3 entrance surprise, or, or may, maybe maybe we don't see it as a surprise based on his standings in um, in or his place in the standings right now. But I have our guy, Valtteri Botas, as our Q- surprise Q3 entrance. And I'll explain why this is a surprise. I think Valtteri Botas is one of the best qualifiers on the grid. I think we all think that. Um, but Alfa Romeo has been trending downwards. Valtteri Botas has not been doing great recently. And... And the reason I was so delayed and took me a while to say all of this was I was confirming myself. It has been six races since Valtteri Bottas has made it into Q3. You're kidding. Six races. Yep. The last time he did it was in Barcelona. And so for someone that we consider a great qualifier, it's high time that he makes it in. It's high time that Alfa Romeo finds the luck. It's high time he finds the pace and a single lap, etc. Um, so I got Valtteri Bottas as my Q3 surprise. I, I know we, we've talked about what would be considered a surprise, and it's surprising that we consider this a surprise, this a surprise <laughs> but here we are. I, I actually I like it. I like it as a surprise. I like it as a chance of happening. So I, I support it. I'm going to leave it at that. I don't want to jinx it too much on my end, but we're rooting for you, Botas. Yeah, no, you, know, you, you made the point there. We're, we're a superstitious podcast, and I was about to make a few points, and I'm, I'm discarding them for the sake of our guy, Valtteri. Um, I, I, I'd like to see him back in, 
in Q3. It'd be fun. It's fun to see him there. Um, and I'm going to shut up now. And I, I think before, before we move on, one thing that, that we see when we get these guys who are surprise Q3 entrances, a lot of times we see them roll over or put in like, you know, kind of iffy laps in Q3 that are just, you know, they're going to qualify P10, maybe P9 if they're lucky. Valtteri Botas qualifies in Q3. All bets are off. I think there's a chance he qualifies in P7, P8, P6 even. He's that good of a driver putting in the lap when it's needed. Um, and and I, I think that's a real possibility. There, there, There's not a lot of drivers we see that with. But guys like, I don't know, maybe Haas drivers or something like that, or maybe a, a, a Joe Guanyu. We see them make it into Q3 and they put in, you know, maybe one or two banked laps, um, but, but they're not really pushing it. They're just like, thank God that I made it in Q3, right? They're like, maybe it's rough conditions. Let's play it safe. You know, it was, a, it was luck that we made it in. They're guys that Lance and I, let's say Lando and Esteban are sitting ahead of them entering into the last minute of Q3 and he's still trying to put in a lap. They're guys that were not really worried about getting quicker times than us. That's exactly what I mean. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, yeah, and I, I think Valtteri Baltas is on that, that concern list. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I made that prediction before knowing that it's been like five races six races since he qualified in q3 so i i, I kind of validated myself there um feels good yeah but love yeah a take, so, love a take with stats absolutely i i, I try to bring that in or, or i'm trying to i think a lot of times i bring it in just pure emotion it's always important to back yourself up i, th- I think that helps but with that i'd say it's high time we jump into our bets our fun bets from Lance, Big Bookie, Ellington, Lance, what do you have for us this week? So this segment, for any new listeners that we do have, I'm throwing out the bets. I'm looking at the books. I'm trying to find us some money. I'm not looking at the sure things, such as a Red Bull, Ferrari, and the points. We're getting a little bit of good odds here. We're looking in the plus odds, trying to make some money for this upcoming French Grand Prix. And we're going to jump right into it. And I need some help deciding who I'm betting points this weekend we've seen a guy that we all really like and i don't want to jinx it but one mick schumacher he's done pretty well so well that they have him sitting at plus 105 to finish in the points the books are confidence but another guy a guy tanner and i both for a q3 entrance they have pierre gasly sitting at plus 145 for the points a little bit longer odds than mick schumacher who would have thought the day would come? So what should I do? I'm going to go with you, Noah, because I think you differ with me. Schumacher plus 105, Gasly plus 145. What do you think? Oh, man, those are tasty. And, you know, it's it's interesting that it's only plus 105 and plus 145. We've got two guys who are P13 and P15 in the driver's standings. Not putting them at plus 200 for points seems just annoying wrong. from wrong annoying from the odds makers etc 
come on guys give us some meat please i'll say Uh, this i'll say this just so you're aware uh the only drivers who are plus 200 or longer uh that's the williams drivers bringing up the rear and i'm saying this kind of laughing because albon is at plus 270 and uh nicholas latifi the the last driver on the grid is it a Plus two thousand and two hundred. Oh my god! Yeah, is the difference between nineteenth and twentieth. Holy, <laughs> that's insane. Talking, but what should I do, Gasly or Mick? <laughs> Gasly or Mick. All right, we're we're looking at two drivers who are trending in opposite directions. We're looking at a driver who this is his third year, second year, uh, and Mick Schumacher who has just scored his first points two weekends in a row. Um, in his formula one career and he's in a car that's trending upwards on top of his performances and it has been showing a lot of pace he's at plus 105 then we're showing pierre gasly a guy who's you know kind of younger about 24 25 maybe even 20 no he's not 23 no way um who has driven extremely successfully in his career he raced for red bull didn't do great there by their standards didn't get a lot of time there and got relegated down to Alpha Tauri and has since found a spot. Had an awesome year last year. Maybe underperformed this year. Maybe the car is underperformed for him. But I like Pierre Gasly at plus 145. I don't want to jink the Mick Schumacher odds. I don't want to jinx them. I'm not about it. I, I'm not about it. And I like Pierre Gasly. I think. You know, it's been a few races since he scored points, and I don't think the Alpha Tauri car is so bad that I want to exclude them from scoring points. So I kind of like that. I'm surprised to hear you say that based on our conversations this podcast. Um, but but here's my advice to betters. My advice to betters, watch how that Mick Schumacher line moves over this week. See, see if those odds get better. See if they get worse. It's going to depend on how much people are betting on him. What I would say between the two of them, and it's not necessarily because I think it's more likely, but I do. Um, it, it's partially because it's better odds. I would bet on Pierre Gasly on those plus 145 odds. And it's for a few reasons. It's, again, like I said before, it's because Alpha Tauri are bothering to bring upgrades this weekend and Haas aren't. It's because I'm still not 100% sure about Haas as a team and about their actual pace. Um, And and lastly, it's just because Pierre Gasly has been there, done that. Uh, At this point, plus odds for a guy like Pierre Gasly, who we were so sure was going to put in a solid result every single race last year, to get plus odds to just get points seems, seems like... It's almost too good to be true. And yes, Vegas knows more than us. They absolutely do. And that's why they set the odds at, at what they do. Um, but that said, we're, like Lance said, we're looking for meat on the bone. And we're going to take a guy when he's down. But this is a weekend where he should be coming back up. He's got fan support. He's got team support in the form of upgrades. And, and he, he's going to have probably some more self-confidence coming into this weekend. He's had a couple weeks to reset. He's ready to bring it. And I, I do like Pierre Gasly for plus 145. I like it. Uh, I'm nervous 
I think I'm leaning Gasly as well. I like the call out. Let's see. It's it's the 18th for us. It's the night of Monday, so the odds may change there on Mick. That was a good shout out. I'm nervous with all the love we're giving Pierre Gasly. We're in a little bit of a cursed pod, but we will <laughs> see. We'll see what happens. Jumping ahead to the top six, getting into the thick of things. We've talked about Alpine on the rise. We've talked about McLaren. You know, not not doing so great, not having the pace they had earlier in the season. I want to kind of pit two drivers against each other, but the odds get put against each other because they're opposite. You have Fernando Alonso for a top six finish sitting at plus 120. You have Lando Norris plus 175 for a top six. Now, I understand we have three teams that, for the most part, fill in those top six, but that has not been happening in these races. We've seen Checo go out on a crash. We've seen reliability issues with Ferrari and Red Bull. We've seen Russell go out on a crash. So who knows what can happen at the top, and I think Alonzo and Norris are the two most likely suitors to fill in that top six spot if something goes wrong at the top of the grid. Tanner, I'm going to start with you. Alonzo plus 120, Norris plus 175. As the Alpine fan, what are you doing? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. My thing, my my statement, every single podcast we've recorded, every single race preview where we've talked about lines for my Alpine drivers, uh, and specifically Fernando Alonso, I've been confident in him especially. I almost never go against Fernando Alonso, and he's been so freaking unlucky in every race, whether that's team strategy, whether that's car reliability, whether it's pit stop time, it's just not got or anything like it's just not gone right for him for a lot of these races, but he's still a fantastic driver. We're talking about money here. We're talking about putting money on things and what I believe in more more out of these two scenarios is that Fernando Alonso will come home with a top six finish. I believe in that. That said, Plus 175 for Lando is pretty spicy. McLaren is a spicy team. And I am a superstitious uh, superstitious guy on this podcast, and I'm, I'm not shy to admit it. And so with that, I'll pip Lando with the knowledge that I'm silently pipping Fernando. All right. <laughs> so, t- so Lance, just, just want to make sure we agree on this. Tanner picked Fernando there, right? Hundred percent, hundred percent. He picked, he picked right, Lando. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. He did not pick Lando Norris. As yeah, he the picked Fernando. Yeah. No, no, he did not. He did not. Um, all right. Just wanted to make page. sure we agreed there. Tanner, you're not a part of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, anyways, for me, I'm torn. I'm torn. Right. You got Fernando Alonso in what I believe to be the faster car. Um, And then you've got Lando Norris, who has been consistently been putting in P7, P8s, maybe even some P6s. And I don't think that they're lucky. I think it's skill-based largely. And I think Lando's due for some luck. Lando hasn't had some extreme luck in a minute. I think he's due. I think that that merits him a top six, even maybe even a P5 if possible. Uh, I, I think he's a good enough driver because, like I said, he's putting in P7s, P8, 
PH on pure merit. Um, with some luck, he could easily get a top six. I, I, I think it's coming for him. Thank you, Noah. And with where I'm at, I don't, I don't think it's really close. Given the odds, a plus 55 difference. Lando sitting at plus 175. A driver who finished P7 in the last race with an old power unit who also had a five-second penalty and still managed a P7 finish. The only driver to have a podium this year outside of the top three teams on the grid. I'm back in my man Lando for a top six finish between these two, especially given the odds. I like it. They're going to get the car right this time. He's going to have a good quality. He's going to have a strong power unit. It's going to be new and fresh, and it's going to be good. And they're going to be happy about it. That's where I'm at. We don't need to talk anything about podium. We'll save that for predictions. But one final little betting thing that I want to do that I think is fun, is an interesting one, as far as grid position of the winner, I am not going to tell you guys the odds for these. I'll just say this is how they have the odds grouped. Pole is favored. Second place is next. Third and fourth place is one thing to vote. And fifth, sixth, and seventh is another thing to vote. Those two were tied. So if that made sense, pole is the most favored. Second is in second. Fifth, sixth, and seventh is grouped into a vote. Third and fourth is grouped into a vote. Tanner, where do you see the grid position of the winner? It's pole. Um, I'm not super interesting on, on these types of predictions on these types of bets. And I, I think not super interesting is probably the best way to make money usually on these types of bets. Um, and, and that's kind of just where I fall. Max Verstappen won here from pole last year. It wasn't necessarily because he started at pole. It was because of strategy that he won. Uh, but he was afforded that opportunity to be bold with strategy because he started in P1. And I think that's going to happen again. Um, and generally, obviously, any track, you're, you're more likely to win when you're at pole. That's what I'm going to go with. I'm not, I'm not going to go out of, out of my book here for, uh, for any crazy results based on grid position. Yeah, I, I'm I, I, I'm finding it hard to disagree with Tanner here. I, I think pole is the safe bet. I think it's the smart bet too, especially considering I think Max Verstappen won here from pole last year. What I really want to remark on is what a cool thing to bet on. I think that's awesome that this is even a thing. Uh, <laughs> like that's that's fun, uh, but I think I'll agree with Tanner. Just given last year that Max won from pole. Probably the shortest odds there. I, I, I probably I don't know how much meat is on that bone, but but probably not as much as we want. But you know, yeah, fair the enough. Way the cookie crumbles. Way the cookie crumbles. Pole position is minus one fifteen. Second place is plus two fifty. I think we've seen a lot of races this year where pole hasn't won. I think that's obvious if you look at the number of poles Charles has. And the number of wins he has, right? That that stat alone can prove it. Flip and my you vote. guys, I will flip Noah's vote. We got to split on this between you two. And going back to last year, which you guys are referencing, between, oh, uh, you know, Max started on pole, he won. 
Well, yeah, but it's entirely because of strategy. Lewis Hamilton actually overtook him, I think, during the first lap around turn two or turn three, if I remember right. He did. So, again, if if strategies were equal from that point forward, Lewis wins the race. So there is opportunity for overtake, especially early on. I'm not giving away my podium here, I promise. But there is a scenario out there, and Leclerc gets pulled and Verstappen overtakes him within the first couple of laps. There's a scenario where the vice versa happens. We've seen these cars get stuck battling at the front for a couple of laps. The regulations are there. So I'd take the plus 250. Let's big brain this at least a little bit. You said minus 115 odds for winning from pole position and plus 250 odds for winning from P2. Let's be real. It's so, so unlikely that it happens from any other position on the grid. Just bet on both of them and, and, and hedge it, and you can make money regardless on how, how much money you put on either one. It's boring, but like we're 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 looking after our listeners here. Let's 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 be smart about this. Yeah, anybody who's listening to this on Sundays, y'all should listen a little earlier. Maybe you can place these bets earlier. I, well, we we've got a pretty good track record. We we need to start keeping track. You know get the payouts, get the percentages, all that. I think that's a, that's a good task for us to keep our tally. You know, it's, it's all good and fun to keep empty bets, but, but we got to keep track. Maybe that's something we'll set up during summer break. Maybe we add it to our Patreon down the line for those that want to see the bets or only see our full list of bets for the week. Maybe that'll be part of it. Give you that wheel to wheel boost. That are our bets. We've been going for a while. We haven't gotten into the podiums and that's where we need to go. Cause that is what it's all about. And that is what people want to hear. And I normally pass it off at this point. Cause I've been talking through the bets this week. I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to take the reins and I'm not going to do anything too crazy. I really thought about it. I made a last second switch based off of our conversations. I'll be honest, but I'm going to start at the top. Max Verstappen has not won a race race for quite some time it feels like he's had some struggles and you know what I'm not gonna say he struggles but I'm gonna see Charles Leclerc with back-to-back race wins I hinted at Ferrari maybe taking you know maybe not being able to be up there but that's not what I believe I think Charles Leclerc is gonna win we're gonna see this great two-team battle at the top that I want to see that's what I'm rooting for is a strong battle and for that it requires a Charles Leclerc first place a Max Verstappen coming in second with the great battle. Maybe he gets pole and Charles Leclerc overtakes him and gets him. And finally, coming in third, we're going to have three teams on podium, boys, again. But it's not going to be Lewis Hamilton. This time around, we're going to see George Russell popping up into the podium. Well-deserved. He's Mr. Consistency. He's been in the top five every time I think he's finished a race this year. So looking forward to that podium. I, I'm calling it like the young podium, the drivers of the future. Charles Leclerc, Max Verstappen, George Russell, the guys we're going to be see competing for the next five years. I think that'd be a fun podium. Who wants to go next? I can go next. All right. So with my podium, y'all are going to be surprised. I've got a, I've got a pretty hot take baked in there that's tied exactly to what this track is. And so I'll start from the top. The real meat is in the middle, but I'll start from the top. I've got Max Verstappen winning this race. Might surprise you guys. I'm 
a little low on Ferrari this weekend, uh, but I've got Max Verstappen there. And P2, here's the kicker. I've got a Sir Lewis Hamilton coming home in P2. Not only do I have a Mercedes making the podium, I have a Mercedes making P2. You know, they've been rumoring that this is, this is the track for them. It's flat. They're not going to be bouncing quite as much. Um, I think it favors Mercedes. I think, I think it's time for them to put in not only a P3. P3s are fine. P3s are good. No one's going to get angry at a P3, but no one's getting too fired up. It's time for us to get fired up, Mercedes. Lewis Hamilton, P2. P3, I couldn't deny my guy. I've got Charles Leclerc coming home in P3. Listen, I don't know with my podium what happens during the race, how it goes down, but this is what I'm predicting. I still think Charles Leclerc is an amazing qualifier, so I don't think that that's going to be the issue for him. But we'll see how it goes. I think Mercedes might have some pace here. You know, we've seen Lewis Hamilton. We're talking about a guy who has a podium in three straight races. We're talking about a guy who won seven drivers' championships. We're talking about a guy who has dominated the sport for such a long time. And I'll be damned if I put him on my podium prediction. I don't have <laughs> I do not have Lewis Hamilton on my podium. I'm glad I caught you out, Noah. Did it to him. I'm glad I caught you out. Starting at the top, this is saucy. It's not something I truly, truly, truly at the bottom of my heart believe will happen. But he beat his teammate here last year. He's in what I think will be the fastest car here this weekend. Carlos signs is going to take home the victory here in France. Carlos Sainz is still a good driver. I'm not ready to, to, to dismiss that. Coming home in P2, I got Max Verstappen, and here's why. I have Charles Leclerc in P3. We've seen it time and time again. Carlos Sainz is not ready to admit that he's a number two driver. It's not in his vocabulary. It, it might be the testiest driver teammate uh, situation on the grid right now because both drivers are alphas between Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz. I think they're going to clash towards the beginning of this race, and I think that's going to set Charles Leclerc behind Max Verstappen in the long haul at the end of this race. I think Ferrari is going to be faster, but I think that battle between Leclerc and Sainz at the beginning of the race is going to put Sainz in front and Leclerc in P3 Max Verstappen taking home P2. That's my podium prediction. It doesn't feature Sir Lewis Hamilton, despite the way I brought that up. Um, I would love to see this podium. It would certainly be intriguing. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if it's realistic at all, but I'm okay with that. Listen, the only way that happens is Carlos signs out qualifies Charles Leclerc or Ferrari messes up his strategy once again. I think that's very possible. I think the second one is very possible there. I don't think Carlos Sainz will qualify Charles Leclerc given can, um, unless timing of qualifying laps and, you know, lack or tire degradation or, or, or what's it called? Uh, uh, rubber. No, no, no. Track okay. evolution, track evolution. There it is. That plays a role during qualifying it could it's going to be hot so who knows 
Those are some fun podiums. It'll be interesting. Sounds like we're pretty high on both Ferrari drivers. Sounds like we're mixed on a Mercedes. Sergio Perez, Checo, the man who was third in the drivers' championship. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I didn't hear his name. A man who was hungry for some success. All right, he he got knocked out of last race. He had to watch it. The Red Bull ring. He is a Red Bull driver. He did not get to complete that race. So who knows? I like seeing him do well. I don't have him on my podium. Maybe he'll pop up there. Always rooting for some chaos, and he doesn't need chaos to do well. This has been a really fun episode. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. As always, we'll be back about a week from now, a little less than a week even, recording our race reaction to the French Grand Prix, covering qualifying race, what happens, storylines, what's changing in the standings, what are we overreacting to now going forward with adding another race under our belt. So be on the lookout for that. And an easy way to know when stuff comes out, give us a follow wherever you listen to us, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever else is, you'll get that notification so you don't miss any of our episodes. We appreciate you listening as always. If you want to support the podcast, share it with others, post about it on social media, leave a rating, give us that five-star review. We really appreciate it. To catch all the latest from us, follow us on Twitter at F1 Wheel to Wheel. And that's the checkered flag for today. We'll see you next time on the Wheel to Wheel F1 podcast.